This is Matthew Rees. I'm Leslie Nicholl. I'm Matthew Wolfe. I'm Jane Carr. I'm Martin Jarvis. I'm Jill Gascoigne. This is LA Theatre Works. I'm Susan Lowenberg. You know how I am. I'm kind of childish a little bit. And I dance and I make jokes and I, I don't behave like a professor in any way. <laughs> what are you a professor of? I suppose theoretical physics, yes, that's exactly right. And you worked on the bomb during the war. Well, as a matter of fact, I did. That wise-cracking voice belongs to the late Richard Feynman, one of the most distinctive personalities and visionary thinkers in modern science. As a young man, Feynman worked on the development of the atomic bomb under the Manhattan Project before winning the Nobel Prize in Physics in 1965. His science lectures at the California Institute of Technology became the basis for a milestone series of books, the Feynman Lectures on Physics. And later in life, he played a pivotal role in the Rogers Commission, which investigated the 1986 Challenger shuttle disaster. But Feynman's off-the-cuff style and quirky sense of humor were almost as legendary as his work. In our story this week, we'll hear about the many sides of Richard Feynman, the brilliant mathematician, bongo-playing eccentric, and doting husband and brother. And now, L.A. Theatre Works presents Moving Bodies by Arthur Giron, starring Alfred Molina, Emily Burgle, and Jessica Chastain. T-minus 15 seconds. T minus 10, 9, 8, 7, 6. We have main engine start. 4, 3, 2, 1, and liftoff. Liftoff of the 25th Space Shuttle mission, and it has cleared the tower. Good roll program confirmed. Challenger now heading downrange. Engines beginning throttling down now at 94%. Normal throttles uh, for most of the flight, 104%. We'll throttle down to uh, 65% shortly. Engines at 65%. Three engines uh, running normally. Three good fuel cells. Three good APUs. Velocity 2,257 feet per second. Altitude 4.3 nautical miles. Downrange distance 3 nautical miles. Engines throttling up. Three engines now at 104 percent. Challenger, go and throttle up. Challenger, go and throttle up. Flight controllers here looking very carefully at the situation. Obviously a major malfunction. We have no downlink. dynamics officer that the vehicle has exploded. Flight director confirms that. We are uh, looking at uh, checking with the recovery forces to see uh, what can be done at this point. Contingency procedures are in effect. Uh, we will report uh, more as we have information available. We are now looking at uh, all the contingency operations and awaiting uh, word from any recovery uh, forces in the downrange field. 
When I went to Washington, D.C. to testify in front of the Challenger Commission to find out why the shuttle exploded, the first thing I saw outside of the meeting room was a big, shiny model of the Challenger. It was orange and white and pointing toward the sky. I stopped to look at it. I remember my sister and I gawking in wonder at a model of the spaceship of the future at the 1933 Chicago World's Fair. A young guy in a Flash Gordon spacesuit was taking signatures from kids who wanted to sign up to be the pilots of the future. My sister asked if she could get hurt if she climbed aboard. He said the government could be trusted never to hurt anyone because a manned spacecraft would never lift off its launching pad until all the proper tests had been performed. Brought to you by Lava Soap. Hey, Joan, you asleep? Yeah. Quick, turn off your radio. I want to show you a big scientific thing before I go to college. We'll go out the window. I've already been out. I come back for you. Well, I think. No, 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 no. I'll take the blame. I want to talk to you anyway, in private. And, uh, I got an important present for you. Oh, boy, where are we going? Shh, shh, shh. The beach. Look up. Holy Toledo. I'm dreaming, right? Ah. It's called the Aurora Borealis. Looks like a waterfall of green headlights falling from the sky. <laughs> Aurora girl's potty skip bell went my way. How wonderful. Wonderful. Means full of wonder. Did you know that? Let's look at it. I wonder why. I wonder why. I wonder why, I wonder. How does that happen? I don't know yet. Promise you'll let me look it up. You can have the rest of the universe to study. Believe me, the Borealis. Okay. But you start tomorrow. I write this college textbook on astronomy. It's too hot. Uh, you start at the beginning. And you read as far as you can until you get lost. Then you just start at the beginning again. You keep working through until you understand the whole book. Why are you being so nice to me? What, did you forget already? I'm going away to college early. I won't see you for a long, long time. What's the big deal? So you're going to Columbia on the train tomorrow? Well, Columbia said no. Aren't your grades good enough? The Jewish quota was full up. So I'm going to Mitt instead. It's near Boston. Oddballs are welcome there, I guess. Crazy nuts. <laughs> I'll take care of Mommy and Poppy. That's what I was going to ask you. I'm way ahead of you. Joan, you're much smarter than me. I know. Just because I'm a girl, it ain't fair I got to go to bed first. Before I came along, there was another baby. A boy. Poppy doesn't like to talk about him. Henry died before you were born. I miss my brother. But I'm going to get a bunch of new brothers up there. Fraternity brothers. Going to live with them in a Greek house. <laughs> Frankly, I'm kind of scared about being in a world without women in it. And what if I don't measure up? You know I can't toss a baseball straight. Yeah, but you're always doing stuff you're scared of doing. To prove you're not a sissy bookworm so big guys won't kick sand in your eyes. 
I'd been born a boy, he wouldn't be leaving home looking for boys to play with. Guess everyone was disappointed when a girl showed up. Look at page 407. It's got drawings. Well, in a scientific book, those are called diagrams. 407. See? Part of a spectrum of a star. Look at the bottom. What's the name of the astronomer who put that data together? Cecilia Payne Gaposchkin. Cecilia, a lady! Yeah, that's right. So you see, women do have the brains to be scientists. That's one law Poppy was wrong about. Oh, Riddy, this is the happiest moment of my life. Promise me that someday we're going up in a rocket together, like the one we saw at the Hall of Science at the Chicago World's Fair. Today I'm directing NASA to begin a search in all of our elementary and secondary schools and to choose as the first citizen passenger in the history of our space program, one of America's finest, Dr. Feynman. a teacher. Dr. Feynman! Dr. Feynman! The Challenger Commission's in session. The young girl on the shuttle, the teacher, Krista McAuliffe, was too young to die. Arlene was too young to die. Hello, Miss Greenbaum from Cedarhurst. Hello, Joan. How are you feeling? Yeah. Holy Toledo, you look so pale. Oh, I wish I could look like you. Sick. Have you been practicing, dear? My father left town and forgot to leave the two bits for my lesson. He thought you weren't going to make it today because you were looking so pale. He thinks girls who are dying are the cat's meow. Ugh, don't worry about the money, honey. Besides, you're going to make a lot of money when you play the piano for Miss Steinberg's ballroom class. I don't want to take the job away from you. Oh, I'd rather participate as a dancer. Do it. Uh, that's better than accompanying the couples. I, I don't want to live a shadow life. I wanted to go with my pop today, but he said he was going on a secret mission to MIT. What's MIT? A school for boys. My big brother's in there. He can't seem to get out. That's why Poppy's going up there to find out why they want to keep him for a couple more years. You mean he's failing his subjects? He's got a bad stomach. And no girlfriend. He's living with some Greek boys. He tried to get on the rowing team, but he fell in the river and almost drowned. Riddy can't get his arms and legs to follow his brain. Is he in an institution? I know he's where special cases go. Oddballs. Yeah, he's at an institute, all right, but nutcases. He's always asking weird questions, trying to figure out why things happen. Me too. Meanwhile, I'm the one who's got to look after our parents. Keep them from being so afraid of everything. Two-piece bathing suits, high blood pressure, the rise of fascism. Oh, you poor thing. My big brother and I, we were looking up at the sky one night before he was sent away, and we divided up the stars. He promised that he wouldn't study my half of the night sky. That's why I love him. What about me? I love to look up at the stars at night. Miss <laughs> Greenbaum, don't I get to keep any for myself? Well... If you had a wedding with my big brother, oh. <laughs> then all the stars would be in our family forever. I'm already in love. Who with? Frederick Chopin. Hmm. Is he Jewish? Kinda. Polish. Very passionate. Pale. Oh, I know who he is. He wrote this awful mazurka here. <laughs> That's right. I feel not loyal playing a song by a guy who's the competition for you. I want to keep you in the family. I love you a lot. Chopin's body died, but his music lives. Sometimes.
What did he die of? Consumption. Is that what you got? The doctors don't know what I got, or they're not telling me. Oh, Arlene. Oh. <laughs> Honey, you're a terrible pianist. <laughs> I can't steal your father's money no more. Can I take a photograph of you on the beach in your two-piece bathing suit? Sure. My brother likes pinups. Feynman! Hey, you haven't brushed my shoes. Come on, stop banging. Feynman, we're expected at an important tea dance. Now get cracking. All the new faculty fleeing from Europe will be there, and Robert Oppenheimer will be on hand to welcome them and look us over. These are hard times. No jobs. Sigma Beta Delta is the best Jewish fraternity on campus. We gotta be twice as correct as the next fella. I have my second best suit tailored for you. Put it on. If I can't take my waitress friend, I ain't going. You haven't told Dodo? No. She's coming over soon. Oh, that gum-chewing vamp's been trying to noodle an invitation to one of our formal functions for years. God, you're such a softy. Lowenthal, take that back. I ain't no softy. I could have you expelled for choking a graduate student from the Bronx. Yeah, take it back, rich boy. Bookworm. The new librarian's beautiful. Get my books. On your bed. Let go! <laughs> I win. <laughs> Say it. God, you are weird. Ungrateful. Hey, weird, I don't mind. Softy, I mind. All right, I take it back. Come on, we gotta go, dick. Yes, let's go out on the terrace. I, I spent time in Germany. Uh, do you speak German? Man, I hardly speak English. <laughs> well, not the king's English. <laughs> I didn't do too good in that subject. Words often betray us. Numbers don't. Uh, numbers make me laugh. Have you, have you read the latest paper on thermodynamics? Yeah, it's a gas. <laughs> <laughs> I, ch I chuckled all the way through it, laying on the deck of the trimethy. I have a sloop. A trimethy is short for... Trimethylamine. Yes, a colorless liquid. It smells like pickled herring. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I love being outdoors here on the terrace. My mom's very big on breathing. Oh, mine too. <laughs> Her breathing is the first thing I remember. Up close, you know? And here I am now looking out over the leaves, jiggling in the breeze, and it busts my heart that the way I appreciate what I see wouldn't interest her. Well, what would you tell her if you could? Oh, don't get me wrong. She's a very bright lady. Went to ethical culture on the West Side. Oh, me too. Uh, Robert Oppenheimer. Richard Feynman, Far Rockaway. Look at those stars. Have you ever seen the night sky in the New Mexican desert? I had, I had a big crush on a beautiful Spanish woman, ran a guest house in a place called Los Alamos. We used to go horseback riding at night. <laughs> I'd like to go back there. The night sky gives me <laughs> Oh, it's tremendously thrilling. Now, don't get me excited. Uh, the space technology belongs to you. No, it belongs to my baby sister. I made her a promise that in our house, she could have the upstairs for herself. I'll stick to the basement. Chemistry, biology, I get a kick out of all the physical sciences. I don't discriminate that way. Hell, I'm kind of democratic about learning. I just love it all. Gets my goat how the world wants to diminish us. Tell us to become just one thing. Me, I'm an amateur for life. I love her. That's what amateur means in French. Do you believe sex and science don't mix? 
Well, I got 2020 eyesight. I, I, I love women who are 40. <laughs> We're going to be kicked out of this mausoleum. You know what I found? Sexual ecstasy clears my mind. I mean, you know, the great battle isn't between men and women, but between men and the men who like them. I mean, nature is a woman, and we've dedicated our lives to studying her. She can't be fooled. Oh, when I grow up, I want to be like you. You know, I, I have something uh, very important to propose to you, but you're not going to like it. Why aren't I going to like it? America, Richard, is faced with the question of diverting our studies from the path of pure science to perhaps applying our theoretical might to new murderous methods of self-defense. Suddenly there will appear new opportunities for our students. There will be a war. So young scientists will be called up to serve the nation, and I think that I can get you a full scholarship to graduate school. But... You must swear not to marry until you graduate from Princeton. Princeton? Einstein is there, you know. Princeton? Jeez. There's a lot of forward-thinking activity there, specifically now, with the need to develop new wartime technology. I mean, the, the greatest thinkers of our time are gathering there, and in physics, the great leaps of the imagination historically have been made by young men in their 20s. But, my young friend, you must delay your experimentation with women. You decide. I'll lay off dames. Finger action. What does it do to your brain, I wonder? To move them like that. We, men, do most of our work in our heads, kind of disconnected from the rest of us. I wasn't working. The idea. Maybe that's the difference between men and women. We, women, don't separate our soul work from our homework. A waitress friend comes over to me and says, you still working on that meal? The idea. Eating is a pleasure. Like uh, smelling the perfume of those red roses you got in your hand. Enjoying the best life has to offer, good food and, and fragrant flowers. That's not working. <coughs> the world is becoming so cut and dry, so scientific. I love science. Well, beauty's better. So pin a rose on your nose. You're blushing. You're trembling. I feel like friggin' Goldilocks. I come home and surprise... An intruder's sleeping in your bed. I don't know much about music, but I find a dish pressing down the keys of my sister's piano. That's plenty personal in my book. Well, we had to sell our piano. Your mother lets me play yours when she takes your father to Dr. Gold. She's going to love those long-stem roses. I swiped them from Einstein's garden. You keep them. Oh. I couldn't. To make up for me flying off the handle at you. Oh. Gets my goat, you thinking scientists are cut and dry. Tell you what, I'll take him home and paint a picture of him for your mother. You play the piano and you paint? I'm sorry, I invaded your privacy. You already done that. Joan sent me this pinup of you on the beach. She said all the boys were crazy about you. <sighs> and the parents, too, because you're so talented and clean. A girl of perfect repute. Your bare middle's really something. <laughs> <laughs> a wartime measure. 
Two-piece bathing suits save on fabric. I'm happy to meet you, Miss Flesh. I mean, okay. in the flesh. <laughs> Dick Feynman, Far Rockaway. Arlene Greenbaum, Cedarhurst. What you looking at? Signs. Joan led me to believe you. Sweet. Yeah, I'm plenty dumb. A klutz. She tell you that? No. I know. <laughs> you know what I learned in college? What? That boring is good. Being quiet, unemotional. I didn't believe it until now. You're so boring. Thank you. You soothe my troubled waters, Arlene Greenbaum from Cedarhurst. You give me life. For the first time, bam, crash, boom. <laughs> I got a chain reaction going that's fusing my body and my brain into one person. I'm racing toward home plate. See, until now I've been perplexed, sad that life's laws tell us we got to chop up our guts into lonely little pieces. Gosh, it's taken me so long to integrate the whole ball of wax, and boom, suddenly I'm splitting open like an atom. This is love, isn't it? Hmm. That's a yes? I... I can't speak, sorry. Oh, boy. Oh, don't, don't, don't kiss me on the lips. On your pretty fingertips, then? You're so delicate. Don't tell anybody. Oh, now you're perspiring. M maybe you already caught something from me. You know what? We're starting to work on a secret wartime weapon that could wipe out Hitler and humanity, too. We could all be dead, not just you. So the best thing to do is to love the hell out of each other while we can. Promise you won't forget me at Princeton. Miss Jones, get young Feynman in here in a hurry. I'm here, boss. I was making an appointment with your secretary. I gotta show you this. Look! Feynman! You me off! I ain't never heard you say before. Ain't never is a double negative and you know it. <laughs> I don't have time for this. It ain't funny, McGee. Ain't? Well, there's still hope for you. Yeah, but is there hope for you? To do what? Close the door. Lock it. I hate punishing people. Yeah. Piece of And keep your voice down. And I have told you a dozen times that when you are in the dining hall to cover your mouth when you are discussing our war work, the campus is crawling with spies who can read lips, and I have received reports. <laughs> I've got a juvenile delinquent on my hands. You and your gang, you're like little kids up in a treehouse. Watch the password. Yeah, well... You're not going to have to endure the gang much longer because I am firing you from the project. You were never man enough or disciplined enough to adhere to the rigors of applied wartime physics. Please, go to your desk. This minute, empty it and bring me every scrap of paper. Brilliance does not excuse boorish behavior. Oh, brother, those new filing cabinets you bought with the steel rod going down and the combination locks? You broke into the new cabinets. Well, they were an immediate challenge, naturally. I love puzzles. I'll become boring, Rabbi, I promise. Get out of my sight! Washington is in an uproar. What other secure place did you break into? The cyclotron in the basement. Under pain of firing squad, you are forbidden to set foot down there again. You want me to tell you how I figure out all the combinations? No. Favorite, what is that? What, are you stealing plates now from the dining hall? That is very handsome dinnerware. Probably nothing this luxurious will ever be made again in our lifetime, and I know you don't appreciate such things, but look, you see see this gold around the rim and, th and this hand-painted insignia? Yeah, it's because of the fancy insignia that I noticed. Noticed what? Two jocks were tossing this plate in the dining hall. When it spun through the air, it wobbled. Oppie, because of the insignia, 
I could see the spin and the wobble weren't in sync. Do you think the two rotations are related? I, I tried to work out the problem on paper. Paper napkins? Yeah, I got into the habit of eating and... Read the equations in the middle. This is very complicated. This looks like children's drawings. Yeah, my visual sort of shorthand. But I did the numbers. See? The problem's hard to crack. But you came up with a two-to-one ratio on the relationship between the wobble and the spin. It's too neat. I want to understand these forces directly. What's the value of spending time on this? What keeps me out of trouble? Silence. In the night. But hush, or I will smack you. Say, I reported to the security staff that the documentation wasn't safe, explained every break-in. I can penetrate any... Aren't you going to serve me some of your great black market coffee? Shut up, I am thinking. Shut up, boy, things must really be bad. I'll see here, young fellow. I think that you can make a connection between the axial wobble of a cafeteria plate and the abstract quantum mechanical notion of spin in the electron. Brother, that was a leap. You just jumped. You made me jump. I am keeping these napkins. When's the gang moving out? You opened my safe, too? Because of the high esteem in which I hold you, I read the contents. So, seems like you're going to get your wish. To head on out to that place where the Spanish dame lived? Los Alamos, New Mexico? <laughs> Was she waiting for you on her palomino? You horny kid. You always have lust on your brain, don't you? What do you, what do you know about the higher reaches of sublime love? Send me a postcard from the desert. You're the perfect guy to devise the most hurtful instruments ever invented. Thanks for the punishment. You're a born killer. Wait. What for? Tell me about your woman. Arlene. She's not my woman. Mine. Yet. Not that it's any of your business. I'm surprised. She's dying of lymphomic tuberculosis. The doctors think that if Arlene has physical relations, she'll die quicker. So, you can't penetrate her, so you penetrate us. Poetic. You're losing me. I don't want to lose you. Now that I understand why you have become a safecracker, I feel more confident about making you a proposition. I want you on my team in New Mexico to train unschooled defense workers, among other duties, immediately. We must accelerate our development of nuclear weapons. All of our efforts must now be focused on winning the war. This means delaying your doctorate. But, Dick, it means that you can marry. You'd be leaving Princeton, so your scholarship becomes a material. And if you agree to go, you'll be on the government's payroll. I recall there's a sanatorium in Albuquerque. You could visit Arlene on weekends. I don't know if Putsy can stand the long train ride. I will arrange for you to occupy a private compartment, my, my wedding gift, with a bed big enough so that you can hold her in your arms all the way. Go home and arrange your affairs. More of Moving Bodies starring Alfred Molina and Emily Bergel in a moment. If you've missed anything so far, you can listen online at latw.org or check the station's website. And send us your comments and suggestions. Our email address is radio at latw.org. 
This is L.A. Theatre Works. This play is part of L.A. Theatre Works' Relativity Series, featuring science-themed plays. Major funding for the Relativity Series is provided by the Alfred P. Sloan Foundation to enhance public understanding of science and technology in the modern world. Additional funding is provided by Audiophile, the magazine for people who love audiobooks. Read online reviews and author profiles, listen to sound clips, find earphone award winners, and new releases such as L.A. Theatre Works' The Rivalry, the electrifying dramatization of the history-making Lincoln-Douglas debate starring Paul Giamatti and David Strathairn. More information is available at audiophilemagazine.com. L.A. Theatre Works presents three-time Tony nominee Alfred Molina, part of our first-rate company of actors. In Alan Akeborn's Just Between Ourselves, Melina plays a hypochondriac trapped in a hopeless marriage. Women need a rock, you see, a rock. Trouble is, I'm a bloody marshmallow. Melina is part of an ensemble cast that includes Edward Asner, Richard Dreyfus, and Joe Beth Williams in Neil Simon's Plaza Suite. If you don't want the champagne, I'll cross it off the bill. She doesn't want any champagne, cross it off the bill. I want the champagne, don't cross it off the bill. Melina is King Henry II in James Goldman's classic historical drama, The Lion in Winter. When you hurt me, I'll cry out. I've put more horns on you than Louis ever wore. Am I supposed to care? I'll kill you if you leave me. You can try. I loved your father's body. He was beautiful. It never happened. These titles and many more are available at our website. Go to latw.org. This is L.A. Theatre Works. Now, L.A. Theatre Works continues our production of Moving Bodies by Arthur Giron. Arlene says she's got bacteria in her mouth, so she doesn't let my brother, the scientist, stick his tongue in there. <laughs> Drink your milk, dear. If they don't kiss, what do they do? Well, because Riddy's mail is all being censored now, Arlene thought it would be fun if we all learned Chinese to drive the censors crazy. Riddy's defense work is becoming more secret. It could drag on for months, so they're practicing a private code mm. for the hard times ahead. They're making plans. Mel, he could get killer germs from her. Die! Mama, you see germs in the milk of human kindness. Joan! That's pretty good. Joan, why did he come home in the middle of the term? Joan, you know. I love her. He's come home to... Don't say it. Don't think it. I'm home. Ready? get in here. Mel, your blood pressure. Let me do the talking. Bob, I stopped by the bank like you asked. What's for dinner? Who can eat? Sit. I have a happy day with the woman I love, and I come home and you're waiting for me with your daggers drawn. Why were you given a leave of absence in the middle of the term? I can tell you about my Ph.D. research, and that's all. This is Feynman University, and today you're taking your final oral examination. We're going to determine if the school is going to put its name on you or strip you I got it. the Feynman name on Well, me. if you fail, you're going to be out of this family forever. Ain't I'll, fair. Yeah. Didn't give a guy time to prepare. You've been preparing all your life for tonight, and you were prepared fine until you got distracted and started taking the wrong path. I never thought of us Feynmans as a school. Oh, what do you think this kitchen is? A classroom. Oh, yeah, Riddy was my first teacher. And Poppy was mine. Didn't I teach anybody anything? Well? The soft stuff. Compassion, mercy. Milk. Humor. You taught him to have a big mouth. I told you, they don't kiss. <laughs> well, families are like a bath. At first, they're great. Then they're not so hot. Fooey. Fooey. A thousand times fooey. I'm tired of being good. I'm tired of disappointing people because no matter how good I do, how hard I work, how can I live up to people's expectations? It's really hard to understand the laws of life around here. Life ain't so cut and dry. It's weird. It's wonderful. 
And I'm going around spraining a gut trying to put it all together. God, the hell with it. I think he's going through puberty today. Hey, Riddy. How's the pretty sick girl? Her parents don't take care of her enough. She's a lovely girl. So accomplished. I'm going to tie the knot with her. What? I'm going to marry Arlene tomorrow. I got a judge lined up. I've got to get back to work. You want to come? It's wartime. Everything's happening in a hurry. Who's ever heard of a married student? Mel, your blood pressure. Lucille, it isn't just that his school life would go down the drain. Riddy could catch something from her. A killer disease. He can't marry her. He could die. Hey, Riddy. I got a present I've been saving for you. Better give it to you now before my blood pressure gets me. Here, catch. Hey, he caught it. For the first time, Butterfingers caught a fly. What is this? Why'd you put so many ribbons on this? Oh, Pop. A lab coat. <laughs> Holy Toledo. Put it on, Dr. Feynman. I ain't a PhD yet. I know. But I may not make it to your graduation ceremonies. The war's thrown a wrench smack into the research I've been doing with my doctorate. My professors want me to interrupt the pure research I've been doing, my space-time approach to quantum electrodynamics, and join a team of scientific altacacas. Go to a secret place in New Mexico, work on defense problems. What? The gang's leaving Princeton and heading out to the desert. Everybody's in a hurry. Well, you think Hitler's going to win? I'm going to give him the finger. Oh, yeah? How's that, tough guy? I can't talk. Well, I'm a German spy? I've never done anything in my life worth keeping secret. Riddy, if not sharing secrets makes you feel like you got the private key to the Holy of Holies, talk your mumbo-jumbo to Oppie. Don't talk to me. Uh, oh, yeah, yeah. There's one big secret you don't know. I went up to MIT to have a glass tea with Professor Oppenheimer to discuss your future. He wanted my approval about you going on with your studies. He said the life of a scientist was so tough. He needed to know if the family would support you, heal you at home when times were rough. The guy is such a class act, clearly living a dream life, my dream life. I wanted that dream life for you, so I said yes, and I lost my son. You have surpassed me in knowledge. Let me clue you into a big secret, man to man. Because I want you to know a little bit about my place in the world as a man. I'll keep it clean. I once received the favors of a nice, fun dame who used to give me French fries to help me through some lonely patches when I wasn't home. Well, I was faced with losing face at my fraternity if I took her to a fancy faculty function. So I didn't. I had to tell her I couldn't take her, even though I promised I would. I did it for your sake. Because so much had been riding on my education, I didn't want to spoil my chances, make a bad impression. Well, I haven't gotten over it. What I did to that girl. And I swore to myself I wouldn't do what the world wants ever again. Of course, there's no comparison. My feelings for Arlene and my feelings for Dodo. But, Pop, you didn't want to bring up a non-learner. Butterfingers has been learning a thing or two about stuff ain't in books. Deep stuff. I always wanted to make life an adventure for you. What's it going to take for you to be happy with me? Be responsible for a change. Give up the girl. Thanks for the white coat. It's going to make a beautiful dress for my bride. Honor it. The doctor's left now, Mr. Feynman. You can go in and see your wife. Thanks, ma'am. 
you must stay behind the screen. Oh. Your perfume. The unsettling power of your body in a bed so close. Stop. Calm down. Breathe. Okay. It drives the senses crazy that we write to each other in Chinese pictograms. Because you draw and paint, it's really helping me to make visual diagrams of dry mathematical concepts. So I can explain tough ideas to my pals. I do my work, but my superiors are disconcerted about me. Why? Because I am essentially a free man. That makes me a very suspicious character around that sweaty male enclave. The site was formerly a boys' school. Did you know that? Mm. The whole place is like a hot locker room. I always wanted to belong to, be accepted by energetic, virile pals, striving toward a common goal. Well, I can't wait to get out of there. Come to you. I live for our visits. Me too. Have you calmed down enough to remove the screen now? Oh, Dick, don't kiss me yet. I got a little fever. Doesn't your temperature shoot up when I come on weekends? Yeah. That's a good sign that I kill you. <laughs> <laughs> the head nurse told me my father's coming to visit. All along, my father said I've got sick lands. Curable. I've been using all this free time to look up my symptoms in medical books. Tell me, coach. What have I got? Coach, what have I got? Lymphatic tuberculosis. And there's no cure for it. I suspect my father's coming all the way out here to say goodbye. Doctors must have told him I'm getting worse. So, like you're done, I'm not going to make it back. I had a letter from Joan. She sure knows me. Knows I wouldn't read her letters unless she wrote them in really tough code. Help me figure it out. <coughs> do you, uh... Do you mind if we decode the, the letter later? Patsy, this is your time. What do you want to do? Have a baby. Holy Toledo. How are you feeling? Coach, are you too tired? To make a baby? No. I think we should before it's too late. Okay, let's try. Oh, the nurses are nuts about you. I'm so jealous. Oh. What? You got one of your father's clean handkerchiefs? Sure. Here. Put this over your mouth and nose. Am I so ugly? Coach, what I've got could kill you. Good thing my mom taught me never to leave the house without a clean handkerchief. Oh, boy. Marriage. It's the great equation. Love me. Oh, love me. Love me. I'll be teaching three lessons from the shuttle. I'll be teaching a lesson in science, one in humanities, and another one. Anybody who has a, um, the satellite dish will be able to see the teacher teaching from space. So I am today announcing the formation of a presidential commission on the Space Shuttle Challenger's accident. The commission will review the circumstances surrounding the accident, determine the probable cause of causes, and develop recommendations for corrective action. When we were kids, we were so hopeful in science and technology, busting to make life better for everybody. 
And it has, when discoveries are converted into practical, affordable, fun gadgets. But we always get into terrible trouble when we go to the very edge of things and don't test stuff properly. People die in the process. The cost is so great. Once upon a time, the scientific community was so small, checks and balances were automatic. We welcomed scrutiny, didn't fear informed criticism. We were open about everything. That's the point of scientific method, isn't it? Progress comes from making your findings public, so another guy can build on your work, make the world a better place. That's the point, isn't it? But then the government got involved, and a veil of secrecy was drawn over all our laboratories, and with good reason. We were at war. All our brain power was aimed toward destruction, and we won the war. Suddenly, science became big business. Huge grants to universities to build expensive cyclotrons, new buildings. And we physicists, we became bigger than Groucho, Jack and Fred, Hollywood stars. We picked up Nobel Prizes along the way. None of us can live up to the expectations of the public. It's crazy. What happened? Folks, I just want you to know where I'm coming from. I truly grieve for the entire crew of the Challenger. But my heart breaks, particularly for that girl, the teacher from somewhere in New England, the McAuliffe girl. See, if we don't respect life in this country, we're, we're just lost. That puff of smoke, the flames shooting up. Ah, uh, Dr. Feynman, your microphone is on. Oh, yeah? You must have pushed the button accidentally. Sorry. I'm a klutz when it comes to mechanical stuff. Professor Feynman isn't himself. He's under the weather. Sir, please sit. Rest your bones. All my life, people have been telling me to shut up and sit down. The button. Uh, oh, uh, can I make one request before I turn the damn thing off? Certainly, but make it quick. You've already disrupted the proper order of our proceedings. I know you don't mean to. i, I got to have a tall glass of ice water. Could we have ice water for all the participants, please? President Ronald Reagan, who is determined to continue support of the space program, appointed this investigatory commission, and by the end of the day, we will conclude our findings. Just a few more witnesses and the conclusions of some members of this commission. I call on Mr. Graham, acting administrator of space. <clears throat> in the interest of total disclosure, 30 years ago, I sat in a class called Physics 10. It was the best course at Caltech. It was taught by that gentleman sitting there, Dr. Richard Feynman. His, uh, his methods were unique, unorthodox, to say the least. But to this day, I recall practically every principle he taught us. Particle science has never been the same following his work because... Mr. Graham, our time is limited. Dr. Feynman's achievements are spelled out in the press kit. Hi, Graham. How are you, Dick? This country is very grateful that you're allowing us to use the time you got left. No, I ain't dead yet. The plane is ready now, Mr. Chairman. Hi, Julius. Been a long time. Feynman. Thank you, Mr. Lowenthal. Dr. Feynman, you are excused. A plane equipped with a hospital bed and staffed with medical personnel is fueled and ready to fly you home immediately. I'll be as quick and clear as I can be. From the moment I was appointed to this commission, I started digging. Met with a series of engineers at the Jet Propulsion Laboratory in Pasadena. My sister works there. So I turned to them with confidence because they'd worked on solid rocket boosters and the engines. 
From the first day, we noted well-known problems with the rubber O-rings. Excuse me, Mr. Chairman, I think uh, that I yes, should... Yes, The O-rings that seal the joints between sections of the tall, solid-fuel rockets. Ordinary rubber rings. Hey, what, what's happened to my microphone? What the hell, I'm used to addressing a lecture hall full of people. Can you hear me back there? Yes. yes. Sir, can we talk about the weather? No one has so far. Who can stop you? The day of the launch. It was so cold, ice formed on the equipment all over the launching pad. Graham, did you get any warning that low temperature could pose a problem? If well, talk we... about the weather had been of significance, it would have been introduced as a fruitful topic before now by more knowledgeable experts in the field of aerodynamics. Well, I'd like to answer that question. The night before the launch, there was a, a discussion with the manufacturer about the O-rings. Low temperature was a concern. Uh, a representative of the company, Mr. Lowenthal, standing right there. Didn't she recommend that the launch proceed? That is correct. There. Dr. Feynman, are you satisfied? Hey, Julius, wasn't there evidence of blow-by? What is that? What is the significance of that? A blow-by is soot. There was evidence of soot showing that hot gases had burned through seals that were supposed to contain them. Now, we're here to learn if that's significant or not. Go home, Dr. Feynman. You mustn't strain yourself. Lowenthal, will you please escort Dr. Feynman to his flight? Of course. Uh, but I'd like to emphasize that the O-rings were used in pairs and that the secondary O-rings always seemed to hold. That wasn't any cause for concern, was it? On the contrary, it's an anomaly. Isn't that so, Mr. Lowenthal? Well, I, I, I feel a bit caught off guard. Um... Mr. Graham's agency knew all along of a potential loss of resiliency when the rubber O-rings were cold. Now, come on, find them. Let's scram. I'm sick. I'm sweating. Gotta have a glass of ice water fast, or, or I ain't moving. Oh, boys, it's like pulling teeth around here, getting the most simple stuff. Mr. Lowenthal, would you be so kind as to see to it so we can bring the proceedings back to a semblance of order? Yes, sir. Before the assembly weighs Dr. Feynman's words, it's important to clarify that he is taking strong medication due to a serious illness. Just one more question. Graham, would you please tell us why resiliency was crucial? Well, say we used um, a soft metal like lead, squeezed it into a gap, it wouldn't be able to hold a seal amid the vibration and changing pressure. If this material weren't resilient for, say, a second or two, that, that would be enough to be a very dangerous situation, wouldn't it? Yeah, I've got to tell you, I've been very frustrated by the documents I requested, which show how the rubber responded over a period of hours instead of milliseconds. Why can't the space agency answer a simple question? Because a straightforward test has never been performed. Then perhaps we can perform one now. Now? I'm prepared to do just that. Perform for you a little experiment. Here? Here. This is not a laboratory. The conditions are not scientific. They are. As any child knows, transformations can be achieved without spending a lot of money. Now, these pliers didn't cost me an arm and a leg. This little C-clamp here, a few pennies more. Now, just a couple of simple, everyday objects are needed. Toys, really. It's the scientific principle that counts. Well, where's my water? Uh, could I take a look at the model of the space shuttle, please? Bring Dr. Feynman the Challenger model. The coffin. Bring the model of the billion-dollar coffin. Oh, Mr. Chairman, i got to attend a funeral, so I'll be out of your hair pretty soon. 
thanks, gentlemen. Mr. Graham, this model reproduces the materials used? It does. I'm going to take out a section of the rubber O-rings. Go ahead. I'm sweating. I can't see straight. Uh, Here's rice water. Oh, boy. Thanks, Julius. There. That's got it. I'm ready, Mr. Chairman. I'll say my piece and get out of here. I grant you the floor for five minutes. Now, you see, I've taken a section of the rubber O-ring material from the model. It springs back and forth. Now, I'm going to put this in the ice water. Ice is a stable 32 degrees, the exact temperature at the time of the launch. The shuttle's solid rocket boosters were made in sections, assembled one atop another at the launch site. The joints holding the sections together had to be sealed to prevent the escape of hot gases from inside the rocket. The pressure of the gas was supposed to wedge the rings tightly into the joints, creating the seal. Okay, now I'm I'm taking this stuff that I got out of your seal and putting it into the ice water. I wonder why, I wonder why, I wonder why I wonder. Now I take it out and I put some pressure on it in my C-clamp. Now I undo it. What do we discover? It doesn't stretch back. It stays the same dimension. In other words, for a few seconds at least, and more than that, there is no resilience in this particular material when it is at a temperature of 32 degrees. I believe that has some significance for our problem. Nature cannot be fooled. Silence! Those people died because of bureaucratic this negligence? This is merely a minority report. statement, please, Dr. Feynman. Things are getting out of control here. Clear the room. For a successful technology, reality must take precedence over public relations. i got to go to Poppy's funeral. Uh, Dr. Feynman, you singled out Krista McCullough. Why? Because she wanted to teach kids how beautiful the world is. Hey, Let's go home. Clear the room, doctor. Clear the room. We have no downlink. We have a report from the flight dynamics officer that the vehicle has exploded. Flight director confirms that. We are looking at uh, checking with the recovery forces to see uh, what can be done at this point. Let's go home. I'm so proud of you. Thank you for giving me half of the universe. I know you're making good use of it. Yeah, let's go home. Want to relive Poppy's funeral. Make things right. Thank God you're home. You were born to bury your father. Good news. Father's going to be buried next to your brother. Mel's going to have a proper funeral today. I'll go make sandwiches. What are you doing? I'm not talking to you. Put aside those bongos. You want a boy anymore. I'm writing a letter to Arlene in my head. I want to tell her I got a teaching job. Here, put on your father's inheritance. You'll get all his clothes. No. You look like a bum. Respect his memory. He may have been an atheist, but he was a sharp dresser. True or false? Ah, the hell with it. He knew. He knew the secret of the universe. How to make a woman happy. He was a god. Yeah, great men know my name, but around here I'm a bum. Why is that? Be a nice boy and offer to address Rabbi Khan's congregation about the atomic bomb. Ma! He's very up to date. 
so good looking. Call off the rabbi. Uncle Sam would have made a man of you. Would have been better for you to come out of the trenches wearing a chaplain's uniform like Rabbi Khan. What a man. Pop hated guys in uniform. So, are you ready to rise to the occasion? Hey, brother. What does this mausoleum remind you of? A bomb shelter. Exactly. Shh. The coffin. Hello, Rabbi. Hello, Mrs. Feynman. He looks like my father. Respect. Let's begin. Richard, recite Kaddish with me. My father was a scientist. I thought you said he sold uniforms, Mrs. Feynman. No disrespect, Rabbi, but my father stood for skepticism, not superstition. Hey, no isms in the cemetery. Ow. I don't know Hebrew. Let's say the mourner's prayer in English. I'm going to blow my stack. I like it better in Hebrew. Me too. More eternal. This stinks to high heavens. Crazy. Can't you both see he's brokenhearted? I'm going to blow. I'm going to blow. Start, Rabbi, in Hebrew. He'll follow the bouncing ball. Rabbi, my brother's had to sign two death certificates lately. Another death opens the wounds of the first one. He hasn't been able to mourn her properly. None of us has. Why wasn't I told? You just had another funeral? My wife. Did I meet her? We were married by a judge. It was a love marriage. They lived in Albuquerque. What were you doing out there? Putsy was in a Presbyterian sanatorium. When you wrote Putsy and Mr. Period... It isn't proper to speak about a woman's period when there's a corpse nearby. And that proved to be only a symptom of her illness. Was she Presbyterian? Well, she came from Cedarhurst. Arlene Greenbaum. But Richard called her Putsy. Oh. And she called me coach. I loved her. Rabbi, if it's all right by you, can we remember Mrs. Richard Feynman today, too? Two for the price of one. Sister. Sorry. Ma. Thanks for calling Putsy, Mrs. Feynman. Maybe she was your wife, Reddy, but she became my sick daughter. My big sister. She should have been buried here. Yeah, but her folks wanted her coffin, so I caved in. Well, you shouldn't have. I thought you didn't want her. I wanted her. Okay, I'm going to pray. Wait, uh, yeah, Rabbi, I... I want us to include the Japanese in this. What Japanese? The ones my son, the physicist, murdered. During the war? Thousands. Really, don't cave in anymore. Okay. About anything. I didn't kill thousands of Japanese. Where are Hiroshima and Nagasaki today? In fact, when I heard the news, I vomited in the bushes. We wanted to give Hitler the finger. We never imagined our baby would be dropped on innocent civilians. Stop carrying the weight of the world on your back. How can I do that? Have fun. We used to have fun. It's my fault. For whatever I've done, I'll spend what's left of my life trying to, trying to make up for... The problem, believe it or not, is just that the Feynmans, we love too much. It's a problem. You agree? Mm-hmm. Come here. Come here, both of you. Oh, Mom. Oh, my babies. You have very modern children, Mrs. Feynman. <laughs> Today... We mourn Melville Feynman, the scientist. Arlene Greenbaum Feynman, beloved wife of Richard, and the people of Hiroshima and Nagasaki. Yidgadal veyidgadash shemei rabah, bialma divera chirute veyamlech melchute, vecheyechon uvyomechon uvecheye dechol Patsy, although you've been dead for two years, I want you to know that I got a teaching job here at Cornell. Frankly, I don't have the heart to start teaching. 
I came a couple of days early to case out the joint. So what happened? There are still wartime housing shortages around here. There ain't a bed to be had anywhere. So I'm making a bed for myself out of dead leaves. I thought you'd be glad I got a teaching job. So I'm telling you. I miss you. Good night. This is L.A. Theatre Works' production of Moving Bodies by Arthur Giron. If you've missed anything so far, or you'd like to listen to this show online, visit us at latw.org or check the station's website for more information. Funding for L.A. Theatre Works is provided by listeners like you. For more information on supporting L.A. Theatre Works programs, including live productions, tours, radio broadcasts, library access, and educational outreach, visit our website at latw.org. Moving Bodies start Alfred Molina as Richard Feynman, with Emily Burgle, Jessica Chastain, Jill Gascoigne, Matthew Guidos, Harry Groner, Ari Gross, Catherine Hahn, Mark Herlich, Catherine Leonard, Mary McGowan, Alec Medlock, Jenny O'Hara, Raphael Sparge, Joe Spano, and John Vickery. Bongos played by Eric Sokol. Live piano by Adam Shevitz. Live sound effects by Tracy Patton, Mark Holden, and Rosalind Ayers. Recording, editing, and mixing engineer, Mark Holden for Voicebox Studios. Our director is Rosalind Ayers. LA TheaterWorks radio producers are Mike Weisskopf and Ron Lipkin. Matt Coe composed our theme music. For current updates on LA TheaterWorks radio broadcasts, tour information, or casting updates for our live series, find us on Facebook or follow us on Twitter as LA TheaterWorks. You can also email your comments or suggestions to radio at latw.org. I'm Susan Lowenberg, producing director of LA TheaterWorks. Support for this program is provided by Theatermania.com, the heart of theater online. Theatermania.com features regular and discount tickets, comprehensive listings, news, and online ticketing systems for Broadway, Off-Broadway, and theater nationwide. More information is available at Theatermania.com. Major support for the production of plays in our current live performance season is provided by the Peter Glenville Foundation. Additional support is provided by the Capital Group Company's Charitable Foundation and the Los Angeles County Board of Supervisors through the Los Angeles County Arts Commission. This is LA Theatre Works.